Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Unless you are someone's crazy uncle that keeps cash hidden throughout their house because you believe that lizard people run the government, you have probably used a bank. As evil as they are, and we have many episodes that can attest to some of the worst examples, banks are an integral part of modern society. Imagine if Paris Hilton had to pay for a Balenciaga hoodie that looks like it got run over by a semi-truck but still cost $30,000 in gold coins instead of using her Amex. The weight alone would break the small break her small circumference wrists. Yeah, they're about the same. You're not paying for a Balenciaga hoodie either in gold coins, Nina. Sorry, you got them Victorian wrists. Uh, recently, through recently though, banks have been getting into more trouble than usual, and this time they are facing some repercussions for their actions. Recently, Silicon Valley Bank, which catered towards tech startups, found their doors being closed as their assets were seized by the government as four decades of banking history collapsed in just a few days. This bank collapse is the second largest in history behind Washington Mutual, which collapsed during the 2008 financial crisis, with more bank closings trailing after it. What is the story behind why Silicon Valley Bank now lies in ruins? Why do people care in the first place? Do I know anything about how banks work? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Why Don't answer the rhetorical. Why do people always ask so many questions in rapid succession at the end of intro pieces? Some of these and more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. I don't love a Tootsie Pop, unless it's cherry. Why do they feel... Come up with new candies. Stop putting other candies inside of candies. Tootsie Pops? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Gross. They are in classrooms across America. I've seen more dum-dums. Well, because they're cheaper. And that is... A perfect example of our economy nowadays that all the Tootsie Pops are being switched out for Dum Dums. And honestly, that's a really good example of why we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank. Because <laughs> it was run by a bunch of Dum Dums? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. What flavor were they? Corruption. It was corruption. Oh, it was mystery flavor, which is corruption. Mystery flavor. Mystery flavor is corruption. Yeah. yeah. I-, I like green apple myself. I'm a grape guy. Yeah. Cotton candy. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. It's Kashan. And Nina. And we're back to talk about a story y'all, y'all have probably heard of mm-hmm. by now. Um, unless you live under a rock and you only come out to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. In which case, thank you. <laughs> Let me educate you. And uh, uh, they they do know all of your thoughts. The government knows all your thoughts. Stay, yes. under, that, stay under that rock. 
Um, before we get started, should I give the update first? Or? Oh, yeah, please. We got, right. we got an update. All right. We've got an update, people. Before we jump into this story, um, last season, we did an episode on Vince McMahon, the founder of WWE and all of his scandals and stuff like that. Um, Which popped off, by the way. Thank you. It's got a lot of, lot of listens so far. It's a good episode. It's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. And... We found out that this week he actually WWE did get sold. They are merging. Um, the Saudis are not taking it over, though, which I think is a good thing personally, because now gay people and women can keep their jobs. Um, True. Which is great. They are merging with Endeavor Group. WWE is, emer- is merging with Endeavor Group, which is part of UFC. So they are going to be starting a new company. It doesn't have a name yet, but it's valued at $21 billion. WWUFC with an E at the end. Yeah, something like that. Who knows what it's going to be, but that is our update. Vince McMahon is still going to be a chairman. It's it's um, He's going to get his way, unfortunately. This means Dana White gets to be upset and yell in two different companies now. Hell yeah. And he can stop doing that slap boxing thing that he's been hosting recently. I don't know what you're talking about. Dana, I don't know. I just keep seeing videos online. Dana White endorsed this, this like competition where two men stand across from each other and slap each other and try to knock each other out i don't know what this person even looks like dana white oh he runs the ufc he's the bro this guy does not look like his name is dana yeah he looks like fucking thick mr clean no don't fixture clean fixture clean don't 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 insult mr clean like that honestly mr clean pretty hot cartoon oh my god (laughs) I'd, I'd bang Mr. Clean. He's so bald. Yeah. Then He's can, so aggressively bald. I love it. I can lick the sweat off his bald little head. What's with you and licking sweat off of stuff today? <laughs> the people at home don't know, but you had a whole conversation about it before. It's too much. <laughs> too much for one day. I think it's just been a while. Okay. Well, you know what's not going to be a while? This intro, hopefully. Let's talk about Silicon Valley Bank. So the year is 1983. And two men who probably just ripped a fat line of coke uh, were playing poker in Santa Cruz, California. Just one, I said. We don't want to. Oh, I was doing one for each of them. Oh well, that's very that's very nice. They shared one actually, like a that's hot, like a the tramp. Oh, like uh, Lady and the Tramp. Like Lady and the Tramp. Like a spaghetti yeah. noodle, but, yeah, but, but it was a of, line of Coke. Exactly. And then they like kissed because they both their noses touches, that's touched. What, yeah. And they were like, oh my God, butterfly kisses. That's what was cute back in 1983, Wall Street. They're like, don't tell. They told. Uh, and Bill Biggerstaff, <laughs> who I hope has an ironically small penis, <laughs> was an executive at Wells Fargo. And Robert... He can't get it up. He's like, no, I swear, I have a bigger staff. It's it's in my name. Uh, and Robert Medeiros was a professor at Stanford. Uh, the two men had met back when they both worked as branch managers at Bank of America. But this night, between the cigars and whiskey, they hatched an idea for a new kind of bank. A new kind of bank? A new kind of bank. You see, startup companies are important. Yes, they are. Especially in the tech business, where small companies start the work on technology when they seem much too risky for well-established companies to work on it. And many breakthroughs come from these startup companies. In the tech world, a lot of the times, new tech is built by these startup companies, but they don't have enough money to bring it to scale. 
So all these huge companies, that's actually what they do, is they go out and they buy all these small companies that make, made breakthroughs and then just scale it up and sell it. So it's, they're, they're important. Uh, the only issue is that they're hardly ever profitable, at least for a very long time, because they need to get off their feet. They need to develop the technology. That takes time. That takes people. And it doesn't make a lot of money. Um, so they need what's known as angel and seed investing uh, capital to develop potentially life-altering technologies. Uh, a lot of the companies that Silicon Valley Bank dealt with were uh, life sciences companies, so a lot of a lot of medical technologies here. And at the time, there wasn't a bank that catered to these businesses in the 1980s. Um, startups weren't even that big of a thing, you know. They were just starting up. Exactly. Yeah, startup, startup. The startups were just starting up in the, 1983. This was the startup, startup bank. Bill and Robert decided that they were going to be that bank that caters to these companies. And in 1983, they opened the doors to Silicon Valley Bank, named so because, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna fucking guess, okay? You're okay. not gonna guess this. Uh, they're named Silicon Valley Bank, all right? Because it was a bank, okay? okay? And 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 here's the key part: it was in Silicon Valley. Oh my god! Yeah. So hence, I the never would have guessed that. Hence the name Silicon. Those the, what, Valley cre- Bank. what creative guys, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Bankers. They should have really been writers or something. Creative people in another life. Um, in another life. Okay. They structured loans to be more beneficial to startups because they knew these companies wouldn't have the capital to make loan payments or at least large loan payments early on after the loan. They needed to take the money and develop the technology before they became profitable. Uh, they also got the likes of former NFL quarterback Jim Plunkett. Love that guy. Uh, to be a face man for the business, as well as some other well-known people in banking to give them credibility. I just didn't name them because maybe one old person out there knows who the fuck Jim Plunkett is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who it is either, and I like football. Um, I've heard the name. I can't tell you anything about him. Uh, they also tried to give their clients access to resources that would help their business and thereby Silicon Valley Bank's investment in that business grow such as connecting them with venture capital funds, as well as connecting them with accounting and law firms for consultations on things. Basically, like, help them not only get the money, but also all of the resources they need to become profitable companies. And because SVB, I think at the beginning, they asked for some, like, crazy amount of, like, equity in your company, like 50% equity in your company to be able to do all this. Wow. But it worked because over the years... Silicon Valley Bank became so sought after in the startup world that multiple venture capital firms would actually require companies that they invested with to open an account at Silicon Valley Bank as part of the requirements to get their investing. Interesting. And this meant that Silicon Valley Bank was raking in the money. In less than a decade, they turned what was a loss in 1985 into $12.3 million in annual profit in 1991. Uh, They did hit some rocky patches uh, a little bit later through the dot-com bubble and in in the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, But by 2023, four decades into operation, they held accounts with over one half of all startup companies in America. Wow. And held branches all across the world. They had expanded internationally at this point. As I said, they hit some rocky patches. During the dot-com bubble, uh, Silicon Valley Bank's stock price fell by 50%, although it obviously rebounded. 
and Silicon Valley Bank took uh, TARP money, which is the relief plan money that was given out to banks in the 2008 financial crisis. Um, but as we mentioned in the Lehman Brothers episode way back in the day, you want to learn more about the what caused the 2008 financial crisis? You're young, and at this point, if you're 17, that means that you were like three when that happened. Yeah. Which is... We're getting old, Nina. I know. You know, um, but if you don't know. I'm the one who's 30. I don't want to hear about it. People, well, I'm close. Uh, people mention about it all the time. You want to learn a little bit more about it? Check our Lehman Brothers episode out. Uh, but at that time, the government uh, did come out with, we, we talked about how the government came out with a net profit on TARP and all the investments they made into the bank. They actually made their money back plus the interest. So it worked out okay for the government. Um, so in 2023, Silicon Valley Bank actually seemed set up for more success the tech industry was in a downturn, but 2021 had been their most profitable year to date. And they only had a slight regression in 2022, which is no surprise since Silicon Valley Bank was one of the first banks, as most of these new banks are, to deal with digital currency startups, which took a big hit in 2022. Uh, check out Blockchain Blockheads or uh, FTX for that, which we'll mention in a sec. And much worse happened to other financial institutions Uh that we're all dealing in them. Once again, FTX. So what caused the Jimmy John's collapse? Freakishly fast, that is. Holy shit, that's freaky fast. <laughs> is that still their slogan? Yeah, I think I, so. I, th I, I, I don't know, but I fucking love Jimmy John's. I hate Jimmy John's What's sandwiches. wrong with Jimmy John's? Not only does their Honestly, founder... Honestly, Jersey Mike's is better. Not only does their founder uh, shoot big game for fun and is a general, like just a general jackass, Jimmy John. He's a dick. Oh, I know. Um, their sandwiches subpar. They're not warm. I, I can, no. I can make a cold sandwich at my house. If I'm getting a sub at a restaurant, it better be heated up. I don't always want a warm sub. Then make a sandwich at home. No. Put some turkey and cheese on a fucking two pieces of bread. And it's the same. No, thing. I want to pay $8 for it. Well, then, there you go. You yeah. can pay $8 from a misogynist to give you a sandwich. Isn't that ironic? Um, I just want him to make me a sandwich, Kishan. Well, there we go. If he was in there actually making them himself, I'd go in. Uh, and be annoying? Me to him or him to me? You to him. Oh, yeah. Just to harass him. Hit him. You can't hit. Be like, oh, yeah, Jimmy John, you good at handling that meat? I'm not going to fuck the guy. I bet you do that all day, Jimmy John. I'm not going to fuck Jimmy John. Bet you John. just slap that meat on that bread all day You're long. setting this up like I want to have... Oh, like, yeah. Spread that mayo, that Jimmy John. Jimmy John, the sandwich company it's owner. It's not rough sex. It's just dirty talk. Dirty talk. I mean, it, it obviously says it's not going to be a, a missionary position. Wow, of, Jimmy John, you handled those six inches just right. Delicately, carefully wrapped up just how I like it. You think I'm getting anything but a foot long when I go to a sandwich shop? You can take a foot long. Yeah. No. Not all in one bite, but, you know, I go back a couple of times and, and it, it, it gets the job done. One bite would be impressive. This is a long tangent. Sorry. For this one joke, <laughs> one stupid joke that I put in. Uh, so what caused... Give me an inch, I'll take 12 inches. All right. I'm sure you would. Um, Black Forest ham, anybody? Uh, <laughs> Kashan Bachelor. What? I didn't do anything. Uh, so what caused this... 
fast collapse. Uh, they had shown some weaknesses before, so let's dig out a skeleton in Silicon Valley Bank's closet and talk about a senior vice president and some insider trading. Bum, bum, bum. So I will say that this, this whole storyline we're about to go on doesn't really have anything to do with the collapse of the bank, okay. but the collapse of the bank is so new, right? And Yeah, within the last month, right? It was literally last month. And no one has talked about this, which is their biggest, their highest profile case that's happened to Silicon Valley Bank okay. or involved them. So I figured, let's talk about Monier, I think that's correct, Gad, Monier Gad. So according to Monier Gad's LinkedIn page, he served as a senior vice president or vice president in leverage finance for Silicon Valley Bank for almost eight years in Los Gatos, California. The cats. But they. Wow. Yep, that's a cat. You fucking nailed it. Uh, but they must have not been paying him enough because in 2015, he engaged in a bit of insider trading using his friend Nathan Guido. That name is seriously his name. Not a nickname. Sad name. I, I have no idea what this man looks like. I have a very vivid picture of what I want him to look like. And I'm just going to go with that. So because Silicon Valley Bank dealt with primarily startup companies, uh, these companies would often get, as we said, acquired by larger public companies. And Munir Gad, working in leverage finance, would hear about these early because he worked on the, tr the transactions and the, and the negotiations between the two companies. Now, if someone, let's say, knew when a merger was going to happen and bought stock in the smaller company getting acquired, well, they could stand to make a lot of money because usually the stock comes up and evens out with what the price of the acquiring company is or, like, you know, closer. It rises, at least. Of course, Gad knew that if he made the trades himself, he would be immediately found out. So he texted his buddy Guido telling him that a company by the name of Procara or Procera, I don't know which one, was about to be acquired. Shortly after, Guido bought 1,250 shares of the company for $12,101. After the merger was announced, the shares increased in price by around $2 a share, and Guido's portfolio was $2,000 richer. But that's not where it stopped. After this trade, Guido started to share the profits. Gad instructed him to buy stock in another potential acquisition in Pravada before the merger was announced. Guido purchased 4,419 shares for $61,450. The day after the merger was announced, the shares were up 31%, and Guido immediately cashed out, realizing a $22,000 gain, of which he shared $5,000 with Gab. Damn. And that is still not the end. The last trade before they got caught was a company known as Sismec, Sismec, I'm going to go with Sismec. Yeah. In text messages recovered from investigators, Gad asked to move over to WhatsApp because it was supposedly encrypted. Mm -hmm. Don't know what that means, but it, either way, it's funny because the SEC, the SEC filing then goes on to detail the WhatsApp messages between the two. So they can't be that encrypted. Uh, and in them, Gad told Guido to buy stock in Sismec because they were going to announce the merger soon. Guido then went off and made the largest purchase yet, 26,022 shares of Sismec for $73,406. Two days later, the merger was announced, and that day, Guido sold the stock, realizing a $27,000 gain. 
which he shared $6,000 of with Gad. So Gad got $11,000 out of all this. Gad even tried to cover up these trades as one person making three trades like this obviously becomes highly suspicious very fast. So he had Guino make some dummy transactions that were designed not to win instead, to balance it out. Uh, In the end, the SEC began an investigation, and in June of 2021, he settled with the SEC and Department of Justice and avoided jail time with a plea deal while agreeing to pay a fine of $51,700. That's like five times more than he made. This is Gat. Oh, oh, not, not oh. Guido. Guido, there wasn't anything listed in the uh, in either the SEC or the Department of Justice filings that mentioned him. So I don't know. Maybe he flipped on Gad. It's quite possible. Um, he largely avoided jail time uh, in this trial, though, due to twelve outstanding letters of recommendation that came across the judge's desk, claiming great things about Gad's character. Who the hell has twelve friends as an adult? I've got not 12 friends. Especially those that would write letters of recommendation for you in a criminal case. I have like five or six that probably would. I got like three, Mm -hmm. four. Maybe you should be a little more friendly. Tops. Well, it turns out like me, Gad also doesn't have 12 friends that could write letters for him. Because one person who wrote one of the letters was present in court. They actually wrote the letter and noticed that when it was read, some content had been added. Then that content just happened to be extra sweet on Gad's character. Realizing that Gad had amended her letter without permission, she contacted the defense attorney who immediately told the judge. Jesus. When confronted, Gad said it was only that letter. All of the rest were true. Uh huh. He sure. promises. Well, that also turned out to be a lie. The ones that weren't embellished were fabricated completely. Six of the 12 letters were not written by the people who had supposedly signed them, and they were actually penned largely by Gad's ex-fiance. Dick must have been good for her to help him out in court, even after they had already broke up. Man, I have not had Dick that good. No? Never. Not to lie about in court. You're not falsifying some letters to help uh, help a guy get out of court? The only thing I've falsified is maybe an orgasm. Maybe, huh? Maybe. You don't have to put the maybe on. We don't know what's going on. Once or twice. Okay, there we go. It's it's nice to be honest with ourselves, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, because of this, Gad got hit with tampering evidence charges, and on October 27, 2022, he pleaded guilty and was then sentenced to 15 months in prison with an additional $10,000 fine. So, SVB had at least one mistake in its portfolio. But now we can get into the nitty-gritty of what took the entire operation down. Let's go. So let's talk a little bit about the FDIC. All right, let's do it. All right, it'll matter. Trust me. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation was set up in the Banking Act of 1933 to restore trust in the banking system after the runs on the bank that caused the Great Depression. The FDIC insures depositors in banks so that that if something happens to the bank, the everyday people with money in the bank will remain Whole. They get their money back. Originally, the insurance limit was $2,500 per owner in the 1930s. This limit obviously has increased over the years and most recently was amended to $250,000 per owner, per account owner, I should say, in the Dodd-Frank Act in 2010. Now, the Dodd-Frank Act is actually another important piece of legislation to our story as it puts stricter regulations on the banking industry 
after the inception of the Great Recession in the hope that it would keep banks from running wild on speculative investments like mortgage-backed securities again. It basically, it limited banks from making these speculative investments and also just changed their oversight a little bit Mm -hmm. and kind of tamped down on regulations. However, these regulations happen to be rolled back for quote-unquote smaller banks by the Trump administration, which lightened the the regulations for all banks that aren't in about like the top 10%. We're talking about like our J.P. Morgan Chase's, our Bank of America's, Mm -hmm. our Wells Fargo's. Those would keep the regulations. But banks just under that threshold, like Silicon Valley Bank, was no longer under those regulations, under those stricter regulations. Why? 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 I mean, that's a whole different... That's another whole thing. It's it's another whole thing, but it it was mostly what the right was saying about it at the time, what the Trump administration was saying about it at the time, is that the... You know, it's what that side usually says about these things, is that all of this regulation was hindering the free market, um, was mostly just bureaucracy and cost paperwork for banks. That was unnecessary because... They're good at self-regulating, even though uh-huh. it was, even though they've proven that they're not. Literally ten years before they rolled it back, they proved that they weren't really good at self-regulating. Right, right. But I mean, whatever. So at Silicon Valley Bank, they just had deposits increase wildly during the pandemic. Like we said, they had their best year in 2021, and they also had their best year of deposits ever in 2021. However, because their clients were companies in the richest part of America. The GDP of Silicon Valley, by the way, is larger than quite a few countries. Oh, I totally, I 100% believe that. That's not shocking at all. Yeah, they they produce more profit than a lot of other countries, and they also have the third highest GDP of any city in the world. In the world? Yeah, any area in the world, right behind Munich, and I forget the other one. I'm not going to Interesting. Lie. So the, a lot of money comes out of the Silicon Valley, obviously. Um, because of this, though, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, many of their depositors had accounts that held cash far over that $250,000 limit that is insured by the FDIC. We're talking about tens tens to hundreds of millions of dollars in some of these accounts, like crazy amounts. Um, by the way, the average bank account in America holds in the range of about $40,000. I know mine does. Uh-huh. Well, this range, of course... Is terribly skewed um, by companies and the 1%. So the median bank account, which is a more accurate representation of the average everyday person's bank account, holds around $5,000. So the $250,000 limit basically only affects those who have a lot of money or companies. So SBB also now had all of this cash deposited into the bank in 2021, more than they'd ever had. And banks don't like to just hold cash. They invest the money in long-term assets to get a return on investment. Um, this is the main money maker for banks. They invest in these long-term uh, investments that most people wouldn't be able to invest in or a lot of money. So Silicon Valley Bank went out and put about half of their assets into American treasury bonds. Right? They're the safest things you can buy. We've mm-hmm. talked about that. Mm. They're seen as the lowest risk investments. So they put... Half of their assets in there. By the way, $211 billion in assets. 
So they have Jesus like, so they have like a hundred billion dollars in treasury bonds. That's insane. From twenty twenty one. Um the only problem is that after the pandemic, as I'm sure we also all know by now, uh inflation popped off and <laughs> continues to pop, pop off. off. Uh to fight this huge surge in inflation, the treasury has been slowly increasing federal interest rates. Mm-hmm. And when the they increase federal interest rates, the price of previous bonds begins to fall. They're heavily invested in these bonds. They're not very diversified. And the price of them is falling. So SVB now on their mark-to-market accounting reported nearly $15 billion in reduction in assets. In, and I can't stress this enough, an unrecognized loss. It doesn't change their coupon payments. So like, the amount of money they're getting paid periodically. It just changes the the value of these bonds on the secondary market. So they can't be sold. If they were to sell them, they would go for a lower price. So mark-to-market, you remember what that is? Mm-mm. So mark-to-market is where you have to, you can't record your assets at the price you paid for them. Okay. You have to record them at the price they're worth now. Yes, yes, yes. But they were were they recording <coughs> them at what they paid for them? No. Oh, you okay. can't do that. Oh. So what they did is they recorded them at the price they were, but they had gone down. Yeah. So they had to do that. Yeah. So they report they were reporting a loss. Okay. But it's not recognized. They, those bonds could have come back up. They could have yeah. they could have made more money. Bonds last for like 10, 20 years, whatever. They're, they last for um yeah, for about twenty years. A long time. So it was a big they, they, I think they even just gain interest for 20 years. And then after 20 years, they stop gaining interest. Well, you get your, you get the coupon payments. So what it is, is they pay you these coupons. They pay you mm-hmm. small amounts of interest back as it goes. And then at the end of the bond, they give you the exact amount that you paid back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's when the bond matures. Yes. Um, so they weren't really in a lot of danger. It's not like they lost all their money. It's just mm-hmm. that right now it looked like their assets were worth a lot less than what they were. That's a that's the fifteen percent decline. But because of this, they had made a call looking for some capital investment, basically because they didn't want this loss to look that bad. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, we'll get an influx of capital to help balance it out and make it not look as bad. But a group of investors at Silicon Valley Bank had a group chat about the bank, and they claimed that they should be pulling their money out as soon as possible in this group chat. All right, we've like we all know that this is a bad idea. But yet it still happens time and time again, right? So they have this conversation between themselves. That conversation makes its way to Twitter. Oh, great. And then social media absolutely fires off, pops off, if you will, um, causing panic around Silicon Valley Bank. And the first ever social media-fueled bank run ensues. That's crazy, honestly. So online banking. Who leaked it? We don't know. Probably one of the people in the group just like posted about it in like some small place and then it just blew up. Yeah. Because once one person hears about this and the next Oh, yeah. They're just going to share it. People are going to share it like crazy. And online banking made it easier than ever to try and pull your money out immediately and for multiple people to try to do it all at once. And on March 10th, 2023, Silicon Valley Bank set a record for withdrawals in a day with $42 billion in withdrawals in just a single day. From the oh, bank. my gosh. And it gets worse. Over $100 billion in withdrawals were set for the following day. So they were about to, like, double the record the next That's day. That's crazy. Over-double it. Yeah. 
No, it, it was it was big. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time this has really happened. And part of it is because people were scared because they didn't meet that FDIC insurance limit. So if they didn't get their money out and they have $10 million in there. Yeah, they're fucked. They, and the bank goes down, something happens, they're they only get $250,000 yeah. back. That's it. So obviously, Silicon Valley Bank wasn't liquid enough to meet these withdrawals. They didn't have enough cash on hand. And they appealed to the federal bank for an emergency flush of cash to meet demands. They do this where they'll be like, well, just give us some money now to cover the withdrawals. We have the assets. They're just not liquid. And then we can stick around. But for reasons still unknown, the federal bank declined. Perhaps it's been speculated because Silicon Valley Bank already looked like it was a lost cause. Because <laughs> that's crazy. Like, okay, yeah. you, have a, you, have 100, you have $211 billion in assets and you, you have it set to already have $142 billion pulled out of your bank. Even if we give you however much Yeah, money, you're not going to last. Like It's just not going to work. Um, so they never saw their next day. As the bank declared insolvency, shut down, and the FDIC claimed ownership of the bank after several failed attempts to sell it off. Who are they trying to sell it to? Who well, would buy it? So what they do is they sell it off for a dollar. Uh, Literally another bank does just buys it for a dollar and pays off these withdrawals or like if anyone wants more withdrawals they pay them off and then they just like take up their assets. Mm. But also because I think other companies were also like well if the federal if the feds don't want to give you a Yeah, money, I'm not going to give you money. We're not going to do it either. Yeah. So no one wanted it. So this was as we mentioned the second largest bank failure in American history with SVB holding 211 billion dollars in assets, but it was only the first domino. The FDIC at first only promised to pay back the $250,000 that was insured on the accounts at Silicon Valley Bank. But as we mentioned, 85%, 85% of the accounts were above this threshold, which is wild. That's above the even the average, which is, we, as we said, is super skewed, but 85% were way, way, way above that. Um, and well above it, this scared people. And bank runs are all about psychology. So soon after the fall of Silicon Valley Bank, we also saw the third largest bank failure in American history in Signature Bank holding $110 billion in assets. They fell a week afterwards, maybe a couple days, not that long. Signature Bank was known as another bank that did a lot of business with cryptocurrency companies, which have been a running theme of company collapses this past year. Yeah. Over the past month, many other banks have come under pressure because of these bank collapses. Uh, There was one smaller one that was before these two as well, but I didn't mention it smaller. Um, And this stretches outside of American soil even, as Credit Suisse recently was just emergent, like emergency acquired a week or so ago, maybe 10 days ago. Um Due to a liquidity crisis, they didn't have enough money to pay off withdrawals. Um, although that acquisition has recently been announced to be under investigate under investigative scrutiny by the Swiss government hmm. because they think they think the planning between the purchaser and the government was something corrupt happened in that sale, and it's already under investigation. Jesus Christ! Well, they're on it. Yeah, so if something happens about that, we might be able to extend this into another episode. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, since the collapse, uh, to keep panic at a minimum, though, the U.S. government has announced that they will fully reimburse all the deposits at both Signature or at both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. 
all of the depositors will be made whole. They're giving them their entire deposits back. And since then, it has seemed to quell the fire a little. I mean, we've almost gone three whole weeks now without a major bank collapse. Go us! Isn't that Look at us awesome? go! After going... <laughs> how long is that? 15 years? 15 years of that one, you know? Baby steps. You gotta start somewhere. Hey. Yep. Um, it is important to note, though, that although we can get upset at Silicon Valley Bank for allowing so many accounts to operate at the uninsured amounts that they were at, and that's probably not the best way to run a bank, um, and it had not been stress test enough by the government because of those rollbacks in the regulations, uh, this failure does seem to be largely caused by the panic stirred up on social media uh, these business models were not sustainable, and I don't want to say they were, and were prone to this kind of panic, but hindsight's twenty twenty. At, at the moment. Bank runs are all about psychology, um, and it was all about that they had more money in there. This small thing came out about the, the bonds that they had maybe being really bad for the bank, and poof, a day, a day and a half, whole business gone, which is wild to me. Um, additionally, the money paid by the FDIC uh, does not come from taxpayers. Oh. So you've heard that a lot recently, uh, but I don't think a lot of people know that still. they hear I didn't know that. Because when you hear politicians say, none of this is going to come from the taxpayers, um, usually that's just bullshit. And it's kind of bullshit here, but not as much, because uh, it doesn't come from the taxpayers Directly, as it did in the 2008 bailouts of banks, where it did just come straight from the taxpayers. Um, the FDIC is an insurance provider. It's you know it's insurance. It's got it in their name, uh, so it gets its money from pe- premiums paid by banks. So the banks pay into the insurance, and then they pay the money out of the out of that pool. Um, so they will be increasing the premiums to banks, which no doubt will be directly passed off to taxpayers in the form of lower interest on savings accounts at banks or higher banking fees. So it's, you know, shit rolls downhill. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it, it'll get to us one way well, Eventually or it's going to get to us. But if you are, if you're a crazy uncle and you keep all the, all the cash in your you're mattress, good to go. you're fucking set. This is the first time your crazy uncle was right. My grandpa hid a bunch of money in his house. We don't know where it is. He's dead. We're fucked. Probably, have you checked the walls? Um, I know of one place one thing is. Just going to rip up the walls. Fuck it. It's just a note that says, lol, fuck you. <laughs> lol, I was poor, actually. He got you. He fucking okay, got well. you. Um, the government is also not reimbursing any investors in Silicon Valley Bank, only account holders. Interesting. So anyone who supported the business model leaves with zilch. All the people who need their money to do their payrolls can keep their businesses afloat. That's fair. So I did see one thing where it's like, you want to be like, this is just another bailout, another too big to fail, like the rich get richer kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But really what it is is the only money going back, they are rich people, they own businesses in Silicon Valley. Like don't get get me wrong, but they weren't the ones doing anything wrong. Right. Because I also don't know, maybe someone out there knows. I don't know. What do you do if you are a corporation and you need to hold money of more than $250,000? Is that basically just like the government going like, well, fuck you. You're fucked. 
I don't know. You shouldn't know. start a business if you don't want the risk. That could be the answer. I don't know. That that would be really shitty. Or maybe like, like it's a separate for like commercial banking. I, I, I have no idea. So if you know. Let us know. Let us know. Because we're confused. Because we don't. We don't. We don't understand. No. So as of right now, no criminal charges obviously have come from these collapses. It's way too soon. Uh, we will have to see in the coming months uh, what the future holds. Although right now, I would say it seems unlikely. I don't think anyone's I'd be gonna, shocked if anybody no one actually. Got, no one got charged in the 2008 financial crisis. No one's getting charged. No, it all just. Because in 2008, there was a lot more sketchy stuff going yeah. on. I mean, maybe we'll find more here. We right, right, right. But there was a lot of sketchy stuff going on in 2008. Lever Brothers, listen to it. Um, so, is this the first of the dominoes? And are more banks about to fall? Will any criminal indictments come out of the mismanaging of Silicon Valley Bank? Is this truly the end times? Why are we asking even more rhetorical questions in the outro? We don't know the answers to these questions. We are not experts. Although we have talked through quite a few cases here in the past. What we can say is that multiple large bank failures so close together aren't usually a sign that things are going hunky-dory for our economy. Understanding what went wrong with Silicon Valley Bank is important for making sure that we don't repeat the past. But the fact that other banks that were teetering originally haven't fallen in the past few weeks is a good sign. As always, we will keep you updated if anything of extreme importance comes to light. And hopefully, none of our listeners are billion-dollar tech investors in the Bay Area. But if you are, you can crash on our couch for a couple of nights, but... You can crash on Kishan's couch. Yeah, Niner doesn't have a couch. You're right. But she's been to a couple of them. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank. It was a little bit different because, once again, no charges. It's in progress. It's a thing in progress. Yeah, we talked about Munir Gad. So uh, let us know if you like these kind of things. We're trying to just like do stuff that's like in the public right now. Uh, but it's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. so let us know if you liked it. You want to let us know if you liked it? Well, there are some easy ways to do that. Uh, you can leave a review uh, on either Apple Podcasts. Well, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating there. Or you can just leave us a rating. Five out of five stars on Spotify if you'd like to do that. You can also leave a comment on our new YouTube channel, White Collars Red Hands. Hell yeah, go subscribe. Go subscribe, yeah. We want to get them subscribers. Hit that bell. Uh, hit <laughs> that notification bell. Yeah, hit that. Hit that. Th- now's a good time to remind you to hit that thumbs up in the corner. We're one of those people now, and I'm sorry. I'm so, so terribly sorry. Um, you want to connect with us on another way? You're not watching on YouTube? Uh, that's easy because you can just go to facebook.com slash white collars red hands. Twitter at White Collars Pod, Instagram at White Collars underscore Red Hands. You can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com. Hell yeah. You can check out our TikTok, yeah. White Collars Red Hands. And when you're on the website, by the way, you can check out our merch. The little button says check out our merch. Buy a t shirt, buy a hoodie, buy a mug. Can't buy a beanie, though. Buy a sticker. Can't buy a beanie. Sorry. It's almost summer, so don't worry. Unless you're listening in Australia, in which case, sorry. Uh, we do have some listeners in Australia. A couple. couple Good day. A couple of them Aussies listen to the the, the uh, Akadaka episode. Akadaka. Akadaka. Lovely. Um, I actually think that's how they say it. I still think about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's how they say it. Um, was that? Did I hit everything? 
I think so. All right. Well, either way, I'm kind of dying, so we're going to stop Yeah, recording. we're going to just take a little break. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.